This episode will have a special extended B-side cut exclusively on spinitpod.com, so be sure to swing on by and check it out. I've listened to Illinois by Sufjan Stevens for five years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. And welcome back to Spin It, the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. <clears throat> try that again. With me is Connor. No, 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 try again. And Connor is here too. No, no, no. Uh, I'd, I'd like to be introduced by my official title, please. The people's, ladies and gentlemen, the people's champion. Hey, I'm here. Is, why are we going with that still? It's been so long. <laughs> yeah, it's Connor, the people's champion, I guess. Uh, welcome back. Oh, we do have uh, one quick little note that may be of interest to you to listen to last week's episode. We absolutely <laughs> finished recording that episode and then watched the entire 1942 Walt Disney Bambi movie. Like, immediately. We finished talking about Bambi, hit, you know, stop recording, and instantly pulled up the movie. Yeah, it was a very Bambi-full day. Because I listened to the album earlier, before the episode, and we talked about it for an hour or two. Then we watched the movie for another... I'm, I'm, I'm Bambied out. Impossible. Except for the album, which I stand by I could put on and listen to all the time. Same with the movie. How was your week? Oh, it was good. Great. Yeah, a lot has happened. It's true. This week, though, we're taking a different direction. No more Bambies. We're talking about a record that I actually... I put a lot of pressure on myself last week by cautioning you to save your top threes, to keep all your picks for this album, because I thought you might want them. I listened to this album again, and I just, I hope that's the case. Hope so too. So the album in question is Illinois by Sufjan Stevens, and it's Connor's first time through it. Probably your first experience with Sufjan Stevens at all, right? Correct. Yeah, it's a different kind of album, so I'm a little bit unsure how you'll go with this. I'm going to keep it close to the chest. I know, you always do on the ones where I want to know the most. (laughs) This was also the first Sufjan Stevens album that I ever listened to. And actually, I mean, still one of the only. I need to branch out more. But I have listened to Carrie and Lowell, his 2015 record too. And it has a lot of the same undertones, but I don't know, the style is totally different. It's very cool. Anyway, you probably want to learn a little bit about Sufjan Stevens. And I'm here to do just that for you. What do you want to know? What do I want to know? Uh, When was he born? Where did he come from? Who is this guy? Yeah, well, he was born in Detroit, Michigan in 1975. Okay, and pronounce his name again for me because I struggle. You struggle with pronunciation. I did warn you beforehand with this one. Yeah. Just so you had it in your head right when you were doing your research and stuff. Doesn't mean I heeded that warning. I know. Sufyan. 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 Got it. His name actually translates to comes with a sword. Oh, that's cool. It is cool, which is like a a pretty noble name and title and stuff. But honestly, it kind of makes me think of an action figure, like super cool action figure comes with a sword. Oh, comes with a sword. (laughs) Yeah. Sword not included. (laughs) What name is that? I don't know. It's probably Connor. Is Sufyan like a, uh, what heritage does that come from? Great question. The name is taken from early Islamic history. Oh. Yeah. It may also mean slender or purity. Oh. So a lot of different potential meanings and interpretations, but either way, that's the guy. So is this another child prodigy? We haven't had one of those in a while, or is this a later life musician? Well, he started learning to play music when he was in school, and he actually, I mean, he started at a unique place. He played the oboe and the English horn. 
And then, in addition to those, he picked up a couple different instruments, too. He's a very talented multi-instrumentalist. Today, he plays all of those things, plus the guitar, the drums, the piano, and lots more. And I think that gives him a little bit of an edge, because he's able to make these records exactly how he wants them to sound. It gives him a really wide array of sounds and styles to pull from as he creates his music. And, you know, I'm sure he learned a lot of different other types of music when he learned each of these instruments. You know what you're going to play on a drum kit isn't always the same as what you're going to play on an English horn, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. He spent most of his childhood in Michigan, but he would occasionally travel to Oregon to visit his mother Carrie and her second husband Lowell. Like I mentioned, they're the title figures on his 2015 record. Mm. He actually, I know I mentioned that he picked up the guitar later on, but it was when he was a student at Hope College. In college is also when he would join his first bands and get his start in playing music as a group. He played folk rock with a band called Marazuki and a Another called Conlos Dudes. I like it. <laughs> I know. Both of which he's fallen off with, but he also took up instrumental work for Danielson Famille, which he still does. Hmm. Yeah. Towards the end of his college career, he had a little extra free time. He put out his debut solo album. It was called A Sun Came. And after that, he wrote a song cycle. Oh. Yeah. We mentioned those on our Andrew Lloyd Webber episode right at the end of Mixtober. And for those of you who missed that, a song cycle is kind of like a concept album, but it's a collection of songs. They all focus around a central theme and are meant to tie together in unique ways. His was called Enjoy Your Rabbit, and it focused on the Chinese Zodiac. Interesting. Why why that? I don't know. I guess he just liked the concept and was fascinated by it. Maybe he liked rabbits. <laughs> so do I. Fair enough. After Enjoy Your Rabbit, he put out an album called Michigan, a record obviously named after and focused on his home state. It talked about different cities, landmarks, historical events. It's pretty good. He really enjoyed making it. And you know what? He said, hey, I'd really love to do this a second time. So he sets out to do one of the most ambitious projects we've ever talked about on the show. It's his infamous 50 States project. And you could probably guess where this is going. Let me guess. He wants to do one album for two states. No, close. You're you're barking up the right tree. Mm, Go on. He wants to do one album for every single state, just like he did for Michigan. And that's a lot. Think of how few artists we've talked about even put out 50 albums in their lifetimes. Even the busiest of artists, we've only had maybe a handful that surpass that. But he's got big plans, and he starts to put them into action. Do you want me to burst your bubble? What do you mean red pill or blue pill now's your chance (laughs) oh no you can't you can't what's what's the i've never seen the matrix what's the pill that you can't pill me on this i'm pilling you (laughs) you can't pill me on this i already know everything oh do you okay well then go on yes i'll continue to go on (laughs) we'll see i might have to pill you you won't okay the second record in the 50 states project and steven's fifth studio album overall is the one we're talking about today illinois it came out in 2005 and it focuses solely on the land of lincoln Hmm. we'll get into the themes and such later but suffice it to say it was a pretty significant hit with fans and critics alike you may be wondering he grew up in michigan and spent time in oregon why did he pick illinois good question it's cool it is cool he chose illinois as a subject matter because it was close to home and to him he believed it was quote the center of gravity for the entire midwest and all its culture he did a ton of research for the record 
Like, he must have spent months just planning and researching and writing songs and stuff. He, he actually went so far as to look over criminal records, read all kinds of literature, immigration records, political documents, and he did a bunch of traveling across the state, spent time soliciting stories and testimony from friends, family, and other Illinois residents about their lives and their experiences. He went all out, really dug deep to try and make this record. Ironically, he actually produced it in New York City, but he made it on low-fidelity equipment to cut costs. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Usually people try and go for high quality, you know, to make it pretty high quality. He went for the low-cost option, which is obviously can be a constraint, but it can be an interesting element to the record, too. And he didn't confine himself to the studio. He worked in a lot of different locations. Some parts he recorded in churches, uh, apartments, other different places to capture audio where the sound would sound different. And he wrote, recorded, engineered, and produced everything on this album himself. Other than, of course, some of the guest vocals and stuff that's like contributed, obviously, by someone else. But he was in charge of the whole process, which is pretty impressive. It's a hefty album. I mean, it's an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's hefty. Yeah, a, a lot of heft. He says, I was pretty nearsighted in the construction of Illinois. I spent a lot of time alone, a few months in isolation, working on my own and in the studio. I let things germinate and cultivate independently without thinking about an audience or a live show at all. And I think that's cool. He doesn't let that hamper how he's creating. You know, sometimes you can get locked into a box thinking, oh, is this something people are going to listen to and like? Or how am I going to play this on tour? And that could kind of change how you construct a song if you're worried about those things on the front end. So I, I don't know. I think letting them go early on kind of makes this record more of what his vision for it was. It seems more true to form. I'm still mewling over the fact that you haven't seen The Matrix. I know. I haven't. Add it to the list. Right after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all that taken into consideration, Illinois was Stephen's first record to earn a spot on the Billboard charts in the United States, landing at number 121 in its first eight weeks. It sold 9,000 copies in its first week, 20% of which were online, which is kind of crazy in 2005. I didn't buy many albums in 2005, but that's like iTunes days. Yeah. Maybe just before iTunes days. By 2009, that number would grow into more than 300,000. <laughs> so today it's been certified gold. Illinois was actually Metacritic's highest rated album of 2005, and Stevens earned plug awards for Album of the Year, Best Album Art, and Male Artist of the Year, several different magazine editors' choice for Best Album of the Year, and a lot more. It wasn't hugely popular, but it was pretty widely regarded as a remarkable kind of record. Acclaimed Music, which is an aggregate website, they estimate that Illinois is the 95th most acclaimed album in history, which is, I don't know, think of how many albums there have been <laughs> that have been significant. This one got a lot of praise. And this is probably the part of the story that you were going to red pill me on or blue pill me on, whatever pill, earlier. <laughs> Stevens did kick around the idea of an Oregon album and almost put out a Rhode Island as well. But after a few other non-states-themed releases, Sufjan kind of just abandoned the project by 2009. Mm. He is not doing any more on the 50 States project. He said it was mostly a promotional gimmick, and he doesn't have as much faith in his work as he used to, which is sad because it's a really, really cool idea. It is. But I mean, like you said, a bit, you know, maybe he'd have a chance of accomplishing it if every album wasn't 22 tracks. I mean, <laughs> and took months of research and recording. And if he brought in other people, it would have been cool just to see like a group of artists come together and each put out 
What if you got 50 artists, one from each state, to simultaneously drop an album titled after their state? Oh my gosh. That would be very cool and probably pretty difficult, but but neat. It'd be awesome. Yeah. There have been fan attempts to expand the project. You know, people have put out their own little self-made albums or tracks or whatever and compiled songs from other artists. And so there, there's been a little fan effort to try and keep the spirit alive. But yeah, it was just too ambitious for one man alone. <laughs> In the time since, he has worked as a writer as well as a musician, and he's contributed to a lot of different magazines, articles, and columns. To date, he's put out 12 studio albums, 13 EPs, and a couple different soundtrack albums, which you could probably discern from this record is kind of right up his alley. I feel like he would thrive at soundtrack albums. Sufjan is mostly an indie folk pop kind of artist. People have tied a lot of different adjectives to his style. Like if you search up Sufjan Stevens genre, the list of things you can find him categorized as is a mile long, which means he's kind of tough to pigeonhole or tie down to any one thing, but mostly indie folk pop, kinda. He's won more than 11 major awards over the course of his career, including an AMFT award and an award circuit community award for his 2017 song Mystery of Love, a Golden Derby award, like I said, three plug independent music awards. And in 2019, he received a Grammy nomination for Best Song Written for Visual Media, which was also for Mystery of Love. And today, to bring us more of that classic Factor Spin action, phoning in from Illinois, here he is, the mixtaper on location. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Here to purple pill you. Is that both red and blue at once? Yeah. Are you not supposed to do that? <laughs> no, but also purple is just like one of my colors, so it worked out. Oh, it did. Yeah, it did. Uh, what's the weather like out there in Illinois? Oh, that's right, because you said I was phoning in from on location. <laughs> yeah, I uh sorry to disappoint. What do you mean sorry to disappoint? Are you are you not in Illinois? I am not, sorry. Why did we even get a blimp? We can fly you over there. Uh we didn't. I did, and I will use it as I see fit. <laughs> well, you should see fit to go this is the one time we've got an album based on a place. All right, I'm on my way. Wait, no, wait, stay. We need to play Factor Spin now. It, it's too late. He's gone, James. He's gone. He's gone? He took off out the door. What do we do? I think we got to delay the recording until until he's made it. Well, okay. I guess I'll go get dinner then. I don't know. How long is it to Illinois by blimp? <laughs> I haven't looked. As the crow flies, it's probably a couple hours. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. It's me, the Mixtaper, coming at you live on location in the Spin It Blimp. Yes, that's right. Hovering above Illinois. What do you see down there, Mixtaper? Illinois. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's the kind of quality reporting you can expect from the Spin It on location team. <laughs> me and Mr. Gopher here. Your co-pilot, yeah. My co-pilot. Maybe I've only made you more powerful by sending you to the land of origin of some of your facts and spins, Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Time will tell. I like what we did last week, where you got to choose your own fate. So I think we're going to keep that going. Uh-oh. And this is a B-side episode, correct? It is, yeah. So I may or may not have some extra facts or spins. Okay. May or may not. Uh-huh. So pick a number one through four. No, I'm just going to start off putting it to the test by picking fact six. Fact number six. No. <laughs> <laughs> pick a number one through four. Fine, fine. 
I will pick. I'll start off with number two this time. Number two? Isn't that what you did last time? No, I started with three. I just remember we did the innards of the sandwich first. No, we'll mix it up this time. It'll be different. All right. Uh, up first, he wrote his own comic book. He wrote his own comic book. Just like Kiss. Was it written in blood? No. Okay, no blood comics. No no blood comics. That would have been a weird thing to have happen twice. Yeah, it would have. It was weird to happen once. What's his comic book about? Aliens. Oh, scary aliens. What do they do? Does the comic focus on humans or on the aliens? On the aliens. Nice. And are the aliens around Earth? Are they coming to visit, taking over, I don't know, flying through space? Fighting totalitarian social architecture. (laughs) Totalitarian social architecture. Yeah. Everyone knows aliens hate that. Yeah, of course. So what is that, like a statue of a dictator or something? Uh, close. Okay. Just not a statue. Oh, like a building? No. Well, architecture, you said. No, yeah, but you said a statue of a dictator. It's not a statue. They're fighting an actual dictator. Well, he's not architecture. He's a dictator. But they're fighting him in his totalitarian social architecture. Oh, they're fighting his whole, his like his whole regime. Yeah. Not literal architecture. Aliens tearing down a building. Hence why I said social architecture. Are they fighting like a real historical figure? Or I guess contemporary figure? That depends. Do you consider Captain Moses a historical figure? I don't know who that is. I don't know either, so I assume not. (laughs) I don't think I do, because I don't know who Captain Moses is. I'm going to go with no. What tactics do they use to take him down? Superhero tactics. Superhero, like alien tactics. Okay, interesting. And who wins in the end? You act as if I've read the comics. Well, I Uh, thought you might know the conclusion. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Sounds like a pretty epic battle. Probably the good guys win, but you never know. Guess not. So what inspired him to make this? I mean, do you need to be inspired? Well, no, I just mean, does he have like an interest in comic books or aliens or... Uh, yeah, he has an interest in in aliens, I would say. Okay, I would say so too. And probably just in comic books and all forms of kind of art and media. Sure. Given that the first song on this album is about aliens and others mm-hmm. reference superheroes and comic books, and yeah, that is logical. And therefore, I think this is a spin. Oh, wow, spin. Yep, yep, yep. I think you cherry-picked a couple different details that you could glean Mm. from the album cover and track list and liked it. And I don't know what else you did. I don't know where Captain Moses came from, or that may be a bit worrisome, actually. But I'm leaning towards spin. This is a fact. Oh, no. Yep. Well, that's cool. You are. It doesn't surprise me, but it does bum me out. I actually found some more information on it while trying to figure out what they fight with. You didn't even ask what their names were. <laughs> They're the aliens. I thought I was just thinking like, you know, little green men aliens. Nope. Well, it got much weirder if you had asked. I didn't realize they were like characters. I just thought it was like a horde of aliens. Yeah. So I've actually found a nice little summary about it. Apparently the current value of the comic is $5, by the way. Okay. And this came out in October of 2009. You didn't ask for. Okay. And so the title of it is Super Teenage Hooper Heroes. Yeah. And they look like they are hula hooping women. Yep. They use hula hoops. But they're aliens. That's what the information I found was they use hula hoops to fight the Messiah of Civil Projects, Captain Moses, and his totalitarian social architecture. (laughs) 
Interesting. Here's a fun little description of the comic on this website I found. Sufjan Stevens, the BQE, which I think is one of his albums, further extends its mythology by anthropomorphizing the expressway and its theoretical conceits into a 40-page comic book covered by Matt Luo, mastheaded by Christian Acker, in which three extraterrestrial superheroes, Botanica, Qantas, and Electris, use hula hoops to combat the Messiah of Civil Projects, Captain Moses, and his totality social architecture. The comic book, written by Stevens, and gorgeously drawn, colored, and inked by a longtime friend and collaborator, Stephen Hawker, visualizes in graphic form many of the political motifs of the movie and soundtrack, mid-century urban theory, modernism, postmodernism, hoop dynamics, and the spiritual practice of Sabud. I see. Also, I probably shouldn't have done this, but I did a little research on the BQE as you were speaking. How dare you? It's a multimedia project that Stevens did based on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, the subway in New York City, part of it. Oh. Yeah. That's why it says it anthropomorphizes the expressway. Yeah, it includes this comic, <laughs> an album, an original film, and more. <laughs> That's cool. Mm-hmm. It came out in 2007. I actually don't have anything else about that, so you were safe to look it up, but be careful. Well, I know, I know. Well, I figured you didn't because you said you assumed it was one of his albums. I was like, okay, safe. Could have just been me throwing you off. It could have. But we are off to a, a common bad start for me. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like this. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. So let's now, instead of continuing through the middle, We'll skip backwards to fact one. Oh, he wore a full neon outfit on stage. You say this and all I can see in my head are the red hot chili peppers and giant light bulbs. (laughs) When you say full neon outfit, you're talking like the lights, tubes and neon gas in. Correct. Not just like neon yellow and orange and like highlighter green. Right. Very, very bright colors, like (laughs) actual lights. Actual neon lights. That's all the outfit was made of? Uh, no, I mean, it had, like, fabric and stuff that the lights were attached to. Okay, but it was a lot of lights, is what you're trying to say. It was, yeah, it was basically head-to-toe lights. Lights was a good episode, too. So what, did he plug himself in? How, how are these lights powered? Hard to tell. I assume he has a plug-in cable. I don't see, like, any battery packs or anything in the picture. Interesting. What colors was he? So there's some, like, all right, I'm gonna do my best to describe this here. Running up his pants... Like the inseam of his pant legs Mm -hmm. that then go up his waist and then kind of stripes up his body. Like basically they go from head to foot, but they travel down straight across the midsection of the body, then down the middle inseam of the pants are what look like a bunch of blue neon dots, dot lights. Oh, that then have his body has then orange stripes going across it sideways and the pants are purple and then it looks like he's wearing like green gloves and a green headband even gloves wow yeah i can't tell if they're gloves or if they're just like long sleeves that come down and cover part of his hand it's hard to tell with the way the lighting works right can't tell where the fabric ends so my first two thoughts about this is that's got to be really bright inside right yeah did he wear sunglasses or yeah well he's not in this photo (laughs) okay and you can tell like his face because his face is pretty much uncovered right Uh uh-huh and he's heavily sweating i would imagine because that was my next question isn't this really hot and and how long was he in this (laughs) yeah he is sweating profusely is this just for like one song or like a whole performance it was during a performance and i can't don't know how many songs it was worn for probably a couple 
I assume a couple, like he was in it a couple and then got out of it, you know, like a costume change. Yeah. Because I can't imagine doing like an entire concert in that. But I also can't imagine doing it as a one trick pony because, and I already regret asking this next question, (laughs) wasn't this expensive? Oh, I'm sure it wasn't. How badly I wish we could play guess that dollar amount. Oh, okay. Full neon outfit. That's really cool. But is it true? Would he do this? I don't know anything about his live performances. Mm, you got me backed into a corner. I think this one is a fact. Going with fact. Yeah, I'm going with fact. I like the idea of a full neon outfit. And uh, and I think he could pull it off. This is a spin. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, this is a spin. This is a spin. But his performances are known for being pretty, I think, interesting costume wise yeah here's one picture i found of him with angel wings yeah no i think he definitely does do some costumes and showmanship here's one of two photos that inspired the the lie the spin so he has worn pretty fluorescent designed clothing yeah and then here is him with a little bit of neon striping That is questionable. (laughs) The spin was full neon. (laughs) We'll put the picture up on our socials and you be the judge of whether this should be a a mulligan or not. Is there green headbands and gloves? Is there orange stripes all over? Is there purple pants? No, but he wore a lot of lights. He wore some, a couple neon lights. And there's no guarantee that they're neon and not just LED. They're probably just LED lights. That's semantics. I will bite the bullet (laughs) and take the the deduction here, but that is probably the closest call we've ever had. Aside from the one lights fact that we didn't know whether it was true or not. I think it's pretty clearly a spin. You would think that. That's why we (laughs) sent you to Illinois. Yeah! Plenty of neon lights I can see up here. Are there? I don't know. (laughs) There's a lot of space in between things in Illinois. Yeah. And then that space between is nothing but neon light. (laughs) Go ahead, pick your next poison. I'm having an issue here. Last week, a little bit, and this week, where everything I think, it's just the opposite. (laughs) Start going with the opposite of what you think, then. Careful, you're giving me advice that might backfire on you. Oh, that's true. I think we will go with number three, you know, in the number three slot. With number three. An oldie but goodie. No. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? What's your guess? An oldie but a goodie? Yep. So it's a fact we've seen before. Yeah. It can't be Ryan the Ghost. It has to be he lost his seat on an airplane to a hat. No, it's neither of the outstanding facts. So it's just a repeat. We're going all the way back to episode two, and it's come up a couple other times, but he had an alien encounter. Oh, yeah. See, I (laughs) thought this might come back. Just like Casey Musgraves. What was his alien encounter like? Just one? Just one. Casey had several. Just one. And was this just like a UFO sighting? Was this first, second, third kind? Now he talked to some aliens. That's that's a close encounter of the third kind then. (laughs) Talked to some aliens. Three of them to be exact. Did they hula hoop? They sure did. (laughs) Okay, so you're telling me he encountered the aliens that he put into his comic book? Sure did. When? How? Where? The three big questions. In a dream. In a dream. You'll remember me being a little reluctant to give you uh, some of the inspiration behind the comics when you asked for it. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't jump on the chance to say Hooper Heroes. Yeah, well, I needed to save the inspiration for a later fact. (laughs) So he's dreaming up teenage hula hooping alien women. What do they do in this 
dream? Fought crime. <laughs> Fought against dictators. He literally dreamed. Oh, he just dreamt the whole comic book. Yeah, he kind of dreamed himself in the middle of the fight between his three protagonists and the dictator, Captain Moses. And he got to watch them fight, and then he, like, talked to some of them. I don't know, it was a really weird. It sounds really weird. When did this dream happen? He gave the interview in 2010. The comic, I believe, came out in 29, which would imply this happened 29. before that. Yes, a long time ago. <laughs> so I'm going to say this one is a spin. Going with spin on this one. I don't know. I mean, we talked about how it was an extension of the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. And that, you got to be really doing some dreaming to dream up a story that bears any relevance to the BQE and aliens, all yep. the things that you want that is like mm-hmm. relevant. I think this is a spin. Going with spin. We just haven't had an alien encounter in a while. I think you saw the alien comic book and you wanted to revisit alien encounters. This is a spin. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. This is just like last week then. <laughs> I've started to pick up at the end. Total spin. Total spin. 100% spinach. 100% spinach. And that leaves us with... Number four in the fourth spot. Number four. Number four in the fourth spot. Another oldie but goodie. Let me guess. Claudio has an alter ego. No. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Did he perform at the Olympics? He performed at the Olympics. Oh, wow. Another Casey Musgraves <laughs> cut. That's tough. And Fleetwood Mac. Also, we had a spin about them performing at the Olympics. We've had we've had several. I think we've had at least three other Olympics. It's happened. It's come up. So Sufjan Stevens is next. Which Olympics is he performing at? Uh, uh, okay. Listen, I might have stretched the definition of the term Olympics. Of the term Olympics? <laughs> so not... I just, I wanted to be able to tie it back to an oldie but goodie. So not <laughs> the Olympics. Uh, but the Olympic trials. Uh. Okay, that's close enough. <laughs> I think that's close enough. It is. So he performs at Olympic Trials in Michigan? The 2008 Olympic Trials. Sorry, I'm a little confused. Did you mean 28? Yeah. <laughs> that's better. Uh, the 2008 Olympic Trials. Yes. It's like an opening ceremony or for a specific event or what? Alongside his brother. Oh, that's interesting. Was his brother, I mean, I don't know anything about his brother. Is he also a musician? Yeah, the two of them have even recorded two musical releases together. Oh, I did know this because one of the songs I think features his brother. Marzuki Stevens. Uh-huh. Yes. So how they get chosen to perform at the Olympic Trials? It's kind of a high-profile gig, right? Everyone knows the Olympic Trials. Yeah. People in the town will go. Athletes from far and wide, but mostly from wide because no one's going to go very far. <laughs> Because Marzuki also qualified to compete. Just like in Fleetwood Mac, which was a lie. You said Mick Fleetwood had a brother in the Olympics. I sure did. Yeah. What was he? Marzuki Stevens is a professional long distance and marathon runner. (laughs) He read my mind. Okay, that's cool. So he also qualified for the 2008 Olympic trials. I guess I should have looked up if he qualified for the Olympics. <laughs> that would have been cool. How far did he run? I have very little information about his actual career as a runner. That is cool. not the portion I focused on. <laughs> right. Okay. How'd they do? I assume he did not qualify for the actual Olympics. Right. Probably not. Is there anything else I need to know about this? Any wild twists you can drop on me? Did he dream it? He did not dream it. No. I don't know if there's anything else worth telling you 
now or waiting till after. I don't know. We will see. Feel free to ask more questions, but I think I'm not giving any more information. Okay. Well, I think this is true. I think I'm going to say fact. Going with fact. Yeah, I am. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should go with spin. I did give you some advice to do that. You did. This is. This is a. A. Fact. I'm standing by it. I'm not. I'm. I'm not changing my mind. I'm going with the gut. Spin. <laughs> I warned you. You did. I should have known better. That was heartbreaking. I don't like 2023 in Factor Spin. <laughs> Except I already know I won the Grammy week, so it doesn't even matter. Maybe. We still don't know. <laughs> we still don't know. We're still recording this before that. What a big letdown that'll be. <laughs> All this time I've already lost. <laughs> well, you won't know. The audience will already know, but we won't know for another week or two. And what this has done, you know, if this was a normal episode, I've won the normal episode. But if you want to see if I win or tie the B-side cut. <laughs> Darn you can't lose. <laughs> I can't lose. So if you want to see if I win or tie the B-side cut, go check that out on our website, www.spinitpod.com. Nice. You know the website. I'm proud. Of course I do. Connor's the one that doesn't know the website. Oh, okay. I get it. I get you two mixed up sometimes. So yeah, we're going to jump over there now and we'll see you know assuming that the streak is still alive after the grammys episode we'll see if it continues next week on another exciting round of fat or spin yeah 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 well hi again everybody the mixtaper has disconnected from his long distance blimp call i'm really glad we sent him out there to do that so he could tell us all about what he saw on location oh yeah now i gotta drive all the way back fly all the way back with my blimp i guess he just called us back goodbye (laughs) illinois i had i was i was still listening in oh that's creepy i'm always listening yeah well goodbye (laughs) goodbye again mixtaper and welcome back to the mic to Connor. Man, it's been so long since I talked to you. I know. Well, you had to wait for the mixtaper to fly all the way to Illinois. And yeah. then we did Factor Spin. And then the two of you just jumped right in. Yeah. It's been, it's been a bit. It has. Well, welcome back. I am back. We are about to talk about the album art on Illinois. For some of you, this will be new and exciting. For some of you, this may be slightly repetitive, but bear with us. The album art on Illinois. I want to get your thoughts first. What did you think? What did I think? Yeah, thoughts. What did I think? Yeah, in your brain. What did I think? We do seem to have a mutual grasp on the question at hand. <laughs> I liked it. Good, yay. It's comic booky a little bit. Yeah. The original cover features Superman, big comic-y font. Sufjan Stevens invites you to come on, feel the Illinois. <laughs> the award-winning cover for Illinois was designed and created by Divya Srinivasan. So it's a version with Superman or without Superman? Well, I mean, we could talk about all the versions, but... Which one, which one got the, the award? Probably the one with Superman. Okay. Yeah, uh, but the balloons might have too. We'll get there. The artwork features a lot of Illinois-centric imagery, including cameos from the Sears Tower. And others. Those are all on the album, and controversially, you know, the album talks about Superman. Because of worries about intellectual property, they did cover up some Superman prints with balloon stickers for a little while. I like the concept of a sticker subverting a copyright claim. I know. <laughs> well, it worked out. They they did it, and it was fine. It's like, oh, no, no, you can't see it because of this conveniently placed sticker, so it's fine. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and it's clever. It's a clever fix. But after a while, they ditched the stickers altogether, and they started a run that just left that space blank. 
But even later than that, they filled the space once again with a superhero, Blue Marvel, who they actually got permission to use beforehand. So they were legally in the clear. Noise. Yeah. The album's not title up at the top, Come On Feel the Illinois, is a reference to the song Come On Feel the Noise by Slade, or the more popular version in America that was covered by Quiet Riot. Noise. Noise. Illinois. Yeah. Illinois. <laughs> The fact that it's on the cover this way is actually a reason a lot of people think that the album is called Illinois and not just Illinois like it is. So it's kind of interesting. He kind of threw everyone off on the album title. Yeah. So that's the album art. Let's talk a little bit about the record. Let's spin it. Yeah, that's why we're here. This is an interesting album because the songs range from very short at like six seconds up to some seven minute epics. Some of them, you know, lighthearted, fun songs based on cities and events and traditions. And some are on historical events. It's a jam-packed album. I hope you're ready for a little Illinois history lesson. I am not. You're not? Oh. But hit me with it anyways. Well, you've already had it in a certain sense. You might not have realized you had it, but you had it when you listened to the album. What? Yeah, it was all in there. Stealth history lesson. Yep. This this album is a very stealthy history lesson. You might not know how to interpret all that he says, but you do hear it. The first track is, I mean, something we've already talked about a couple times in this episode, uh, is about aliens concerning the UFO sighting near Highland, Illinois. I love the titles on this album. (laughs) I figured you would. I put them all onto our little rundown list, and they took up an entire page because some of the song titles are so long or there's so many alternate versions of these titles yep what song title is your favorite not considering anything else about the rest we'll of get the, oh okay okay don't let me forget though because i want to know okay what did you expect from this album just you know researching whatever you researched about sufjan stevens and looking at the album cover honestly it's more normal than i anticipated more more normal based on the titles yeah Okay. I saw the titles and thought this is gonna be off the rails. Uh, (laughs) And I mean... In some ways. In a way it is. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, it's not like the Polar Express drifting on ice sort of off the rails. No. You know? Everybody lean to the left (laughs) so we can drift the train. No, it's not that bad. Does that make this a Christmas episode now that I mentioned the Polar Express? Nope. I think this is a Christmas episode. It doesn't become a Christmas episode just because you say something Christmassy in it. Sure. It's the diehard rule. Oh. Well, you got me there. Okay, can't argue that. But concerning the UFO sighting near Highland, Illinois, references the St. Clair Triangle. That's the name of the UFO. It's a a pretty well-known Illinois UFO sighting. It happened in January 2000, right at the turn of the millennium, and at least five different people reported witnessing this UFO sighting. Interesting. Yeah, so I wasn't surprised when you came with alien facts, because, I mean, it's right here. Uh, What do you mean, I? The the, the mixtaper came with alien facts. You make that mistake a lot. Maybe the mixtaper should start uh, using a different voice. I don't know. It's, uh, It's up to him, I guess. But the song takes this real life event, and it fictionalizes parts of it. It starts to speculate what the UFO might have actually been. It starts digging into all kinds of spiritual themes about revenants and 
angels and almost apocalypse that kind of comes full circle later on in the album. But as an introduction, it kind of gets laid all out right here, the groundwork. And actually one thing we'll see throughout the album, talking about like spiritual themes and stuff. Stephen's faith is like a really important aspect of his life, but he tries to approach it from a different perspective and a new angle in his lyrics so that it's not like a like a preachy kind of thing. It's really introspective and reflective and deconstructive. Hmm. And so that's an interesting way that he kind of puts his lens over this Illinois history trip. What'd you think of the instruments on this? I'm a big fan of the instruments on the album in general. Yeah, I thought you might be. I figured that'd be one of your biggest uh, bright spots for Illinois. I don't know. They're just so full and orchestral, I guess. Yeah, immersive, I think. Symphonic, maybe, is the better word than orchestral. Ooh, I like that. They're more symphonic. No, I think that makes sense because, I mean, orchestral can refer to any kind of, like, orchestra piece, but symphonic really implies that this is one cohesive work like a symphony, like it's a big, long, epic end-to-end. Correct. And that's, yeah, clearly what he's going for. And it just features way more of the same type of instruments that you would see. Like, there's not a lot of strings and violins and crap in this, which is what typically comprises a, a uh, an orchestra versus a symphony. Right, right. And if you like the instruments, you really don't have to wait long for good instruments or for the first instrumental track. Because that happens right off the bat. Track two. It sure does. Yeah, it has many a title. Bear with me here. Track two is called, in in full, The Black Hawk War, or How to Demolish an Entire Civilization and Still Feel Good About Yourself in the Morning, or We Apologize for the Inconvenience, But You're Going to Have to Leave Now, or I Have Fought the Big Knives and Will Continue to Fight Them Until They Are Off Our Land. End title. So I've done a thing. What thing have you done? It's always dangerous. I'm known for something when it comes to my final spin. I'm known for a couple things, but there's there's one thing involving the songs that I do. Yeah, you, you make a top three. I make a top three. And so I also made, there are so many titles for these songs. I made a top three favorite titles. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So from like all the subtitles and everything. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I feel like there's a reason you're bringing this up now. Correct, because the first one has arrived in this set of titles, and that is How to Demolish an Entire Civilization and Still Feel Good About Yourself in the Morning. That one cracked me up. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lighthearted take on a a pretty intense, heavy-handed subject. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is kind of the whole ironic point of it. This song, as its primary title, The Black Hawk War, suggests, is about the Black Hawk War. What? Yeah, I know. (laughs) The conflict between Native Americans, the Sauk, and a few other tribes, headed up by Black Hawk, who was like the chief, over a bunch of land that was about to become a part of the United States. Specifically, you guessed it, the land of Illinois. I didn't guess that. Darn. Better luck next time. I put I put North Dakota. Okay. It's a little far away. Just felt like the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> this instrumental is interesting. Parts of it come back up later on. It's mostly just two chords that kind of go back and forth as far as like structure goes. There's a lot of cool melody stuff that goes on with it and drum beats that come in and really amp it up. But I don't know. What do you what do you think about like the the feel of it compared to other instrumentals we've heard? Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. Awesome. Why? I really think it's because of that symphonic sound. Mm. I grew up 
being in a band, you know, doing band all throughout middle school, high school, into college. And it was usually always symphonic band, you know, with yeah. these brassier sections and woodwinds and percussion. And so hearing that full instrumental sound like like that, like this is a song that could be played by like a good symphonic band, you know? Oh, yeah. It, it, it could be a symphonic piece. So that versus just any other traditional instrumental we've heard that's mainly just maybe a guitar, drum, bass, and maybe one specialty instrument. This almost hits closer to what I love. Okay. In a way. That's really good. I'm I'm starting to breathe a little easier about cautioning you against taking extra picks last week. I was worried about it, but I'm tentatively relaxing. We're only a few tracks in, I, so calm down. I'm calm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, so this instrumental track, it kind of tries to encompass and parallel all the emotions and events that lead to the very founding of the state of Illinois, which is a pretty appropriate place for this album to kick off, even though it happens under very contentious and problematic circumstances. That's pretty much the Black Hawk War. It moves pretty smoothly into track three, which I'll spill a little bit of the beans here. Is It's got to be one of my favorite tracks on this album. You're a big fan of Come On, Feel the Illinois? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's okay to call this one Come On, Feel the Illinois, because that's clearly the pun it's trying to make. You know, whereas on the album yeah. cover, it says it there, but the album's just called Illinois. This one seems like it's supposed to be called Illinois. I'm annoyed. Are you Illinois? <laughs> So here's the problem I have, and maybe we should talk about this when we were talking about the album art. So the album itself is called Illinois, but on the cover, it clearly says, come on, feel the Illinois. So I think if somebody were looking at the album and said, oh, come on, feel the Illinois, you can't be like, uh, no, the album's actually called Illinois, because it clearly says Illinois, there's an E on the end. Yeah. If you put the E on the end, it negates the pr- pronunciation of Illinois. It does. Illinois. Well, yeah, but that's the <laughs> trick of it, is that's not the album title. It's on the cover. I agree, but... It, it, yeah. So to be like, oh, you can call this song that. It's like, I don't, I, of course I can call this song that because that's what the word is. Right, right. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. And if I was looking at the album and didn't know that the album name wasn't actually on the album, I think it'd be perfectly understandable to be like, oh, Illinois. Reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the song. It comes in two separate parts. Well, not even really separate. Just two distinct segments that are joined together in the middle. And there's a lot to it, honestly. More than we can even say on the episode, on any iteration of the episode. Maybe on the seaside. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> One day. 24-hour episode. That'd be wild. I mean, we can make that happen. If we make it five years in, we'll do that. Yeah, I can see it. That's actually too close. If we make it 10 years in, we'll do that. No, the, hold on. Hear me out. The closer, the better. If we're going to make it for 24 hours, we need to be young and spry. Oh, you're right. If we make it one more episode, we'll do no. Oh, okay. Too soon. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. But any, no, I was digging and digging and there was just, I was finding thing after thing. I was like, oh, I'd love to talk about this and I'd love to talk about that. I was like, I can't. Rain it in. Make it succinct. What are you going to talk about? What did you choose? There's a good bit in here still. This first part of the song is called the World's Columbian Exposition and it's a reference to the World's Fair. Yeah. Chicago's World's Fair took place, or at least this particular one, it took place in the state in 1893, and it was focused on consumerism and its effects on the culture since the earliest days of colonization, which is why it was called the Columbian Exposition, because people were exposed via Columbus to stuff. I have a book on my bookshelf right now about the Chicago World's Fair. Oh, you do? You were prepared for this. Yeah. And you didn't even know it. Have you read the book? 
Yeah. Oh, good. It's called The Devil in the White City. I've heard of that. Tagline, murder, magic, and madness at the fair that changed America. And so it's half from the point of view of, like, the guy, like, that was in charge of designing and executing the World's Fair. And half from, like, the viewpoint of a serial killer who was operating in Chicago at the time. (laughs) Oh, well, that feels right in line with this album. I haven't, I read it back in high school for maybe a, it was, like, on a list of summer projects or something. Like, I could pick it for a summer project. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I have it. I remember it being good. I really kind of should read it again. Nice. Yeah, you should. And listen to this song while you do it. Maybe. (laughs) But the lyrics in the first part of the song focus on these similar themes of you know, consumerism and the world's fair and and whatnot. Uh, He talks about how his lofty intentions get usurped by ads that came and promise entrepreneurial conditions that take us to glory. It's very, like, tongue-in-cheek, but, like, full of, I don't know, this kind of manufactured bewilderment. He does a great job at just setting this song up. Also, the first part of the song contains a fun little tidbit. The World's Fair, or this particular World's Fair, was also the one that featured the world's very first Ferris wheel. Mm Mm-hmm, yep. That detail and one other detail about the fair is like the only thing I remember from the book about the fair itself. Oh. And that was that like coming up really close to the actual time for the fair. They spent tons and tons and tons of money on flowers to like plant all around the world's fair. Yeah. And then this giant like rainstorm came in and just like destroyed it all. You know, it was just planted in loose soil at the top of the grass. Right. Or whatever. And so (laughs) the rain just destroyed it all and they had to quickly redo it all. (laughs) Wow. Uh, and it was a big, it was a big point of uh, worry for for that character. He was like, ah, the flowers. Yeah, that'd be a real pain in the butt. In the bud. It'd be a real pain in the bud. Ah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, the other thing this World's Fair was notable for is the invention of all kinds of different products that you may know, honestly, by name, including Quaker Oats, Juicy Fruit Gum, nice. the Hamburger, and Cream of Wheat, which is the only one that gets a shout out in the lyrics. Oh, and also diet soda diet pop is the thing that maybe came up at this world's fair but it's unclear anyway that's the first part of the song the second part of the song is called carl sandberg visits me in a dream and it happens after this musical shift where he starts to sing it's the part that begins i cried myself to sleep last night and the speaker gets visited by the ghost of author and poet carl sandberg who won three different pulitzer prizes for his work when he was alive but Carl's ghost walks up and asks the speaker all kinds of these existential questions. You know, he wants to know his thoughts on a thousand centuries of death and all the regrets that came with the state of the world, which is a really interesting way to blend this world's fair of discovery and progress, inventions and the white city and wow with like, oh, I mean, to put it after Black Hawk War and have it be about Columbus... (laughs) feels very poignant and for sandberg to walk up and say hey what do you think about all the death and stuff that's left in the wake of this it's it's powerful and pretty intense and well hidden actually concealed behind the way this song sounds i don't know he just does such a good job with some of these lyrics uh even with the heart of terror and the superstitious wearer, i'm writing all alone i am writing all alone writing versus writing it's a very clever little bit of wordplay i don't know the album is just full of it again not enough time to go into as much detail as you could 
I just don't even know where you begin to research and construct a six minute, 45 second song like this. At the World's Fair, obviously. Well, yeah, that would be a good place to start. So we go from this pair of highlight things from the World's Fair, big, bright, beautiful, and Carl Sandburg, celebrated author. We go to one of its darker corners, kind of like you already maybe unintentionally hinted at, a peek into the world of serial killer John Wayne Gacy Jr. Yeah, that's not the serial killer that was operating at the same time as the World's Fair. In case anybody was confused or thought that's what James was implying. I just meant you already mentioned serial killing, which is there. I I did. I I did do that. The serial killer in that one is uh, H.H. Holmes, I believe is his name. Oh. He's like a, he was like a serial killer who was masquerading as a doctor. Oh. So people would like come to him to like get healed or whatever and then he'd murder them. Or, or whatever you do when you go to a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, John Wayne Gacy Jr. is not that. This may be the closest we ever actually get to being a true crime podcast, I think. <laughs> Until the Spinet Mystery Department uncovers a murder. Uh, let's not do that. <laughs> Listen, we've already unveiled a real crime. I think you can say we're a true crime podcast. Occasionally. I don't think you can get any closer than uncovering a a potential crime. That's true. We may be out. Yeah, you're right. Fair enough. Well, John Wayne Gacy also uncovered some true crimes. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Between 1972 and 1978, he assaulted and murdered at least 33 teenage boys. And this, you know, if you're sensitive to this kind of stuff, scrub ahead. But he left most of them buried underneath his house. Yikes. Yeah. Ugh. This was a tough one to research. I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts and stuff. Like, it's interesting, but man, is it a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, his nickname was the Killer Clown because yep. in public, he was a clown. Yeah. I don't feel like we need to go into too many of the details of the lyrics because the song pretty much tells the story of his life through the lyrics in, in a pretty literal way. Just talks about, oh, what he did and how he did it and how he grew up. And I don't know. It kind of speculates what he might have been thinking as he was going about this. It's kind of chilling. And the song itself isn't big and in your face just like the World's Fair was. This one's really softer. It's very laid back. Quieter. Yeah, it's reserved and mm. Yeah, I, I do like the, again, the, the soft guitar. It's a good touch. And actually, I love when he decides to go into those more intense moments, mostly at the ends of his verses, yeah. where he launches up into the falsetto stratosphere. It really gives the song a lot of emotion. Sure does. Yeah, and in the end, the song takes a kind of chilling twist, where Steven sings, In My Best Behavior... I'm really just like him. Look beneath the floorboards for the secrets I have hid. So he kind of stakes this claim that he's not morally better than anybody, and we're all kind of on a level playing field. We all have our own secrets, our own terrible things hidden. Obviously, there's definitely a difference between having secrets and things that you're ashamed of and hiding 33 bodies underneath your house. What? There's definitely a level of distinction there. But it's an interesting point to make, and I think Stevens makes it in a really memorable way. Up next is Decatur, or a round of applause for your stepmother, which I also love, the song. It's great. It's great. It's all right. It's all right. You didn't like Decatur? I didn't say that. Or did you not like a round of applause for your stepmother? I didn't say that either. Okay. Well, it is all right. I think Decatur, or round of applause for your stepmother, joins a pretty exclusive club. Oh, yeah? Uh, What club is that? <laughs> Good song that gets put in the middle of the pack based on what it's surrounded by. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think on a different 
different album, this would be the powerhouse, but on this album, it's simply another fighter. No, you're right. You are absolutely spot on. <laughs> it's a cool song. It's It's got a neat premise. It's a good storytelling song. Yeah. These two brothers are on a trip to Decatur with their stepmother, and they discover all kinds of surprising things that the city has to offer. Like stepmothers. Like, well, no. I mean, it does probably have those to offer, yes. <laughs> but also, so do a lot of places. Go window shopping for a new stepmom. Yeah. But the song's full of some weird, strange, lesser-known state history. And I, I one thing I gotta love about this song is his rhyme scheme. <laughs> some of the words he chooses to take on in these verses. Alligator, operator, aviator... I mean, he just emancipator. He just he brings the aider out in full force. Really milks that rhyme for all it's worth. Yeah, like Billy Joel and his acacacax. Yeah, but he, he's more like Doctor Doofenshmirtz, right? Where everything's an aider. <laughs> Some of those weird things include uh, a lion that got loose near Decatur in 1917. In the mid 70s, there were apparently a lot of kangaroo and alligator sightings throughout the state. I I don't know why. I looked and I couldn't tell you. Uh, he also talks about a river flood and a freaky incident where a number of shallow Union soldier graves near the bank of the Sangamon River actually washed up out of the ground. What can you imagine? I cannot imagine. No, no. It's just raining really hard one day and the next day, Civil War skeletons are out there floating around. He also talks about the Lincoln Aviator that's built in the Chicago area. Uh, actually, Caterpillar bulldozers and heavy machinery. They also have a plant indicator. And he references all these debaters. Uh, it's aiders everywhere. Uh, political uh -huh. adversaries, Stephen Douglas. And he does talk about Abraham Lincoln by name a little more directly this time. Yeah. But once again, just that one little passing line. And here you go. You need to know about this. I almost thought this would show up in Factor Spin. The song makes reference to the chicken mobile, which is a wild car that belongs to the owner of a Decatur-based fast food restaurant called Creckles Dairy Maid. And why would this have come up in Factor Spin? You haven't seen the chicken mobile. I'm just saying, what does that have to do with Sufjan? You could have made it work. Oh, I don't make anything work. It's a pretty awesome car, though. I'd drive that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. When we go to make try out more hot chicken in different places, we'll drive that. You realize this whole <laughs> album opens us up to do uh, uh, just an Illinois road trip now. <laughs> it does. We just hop in the car, we'll go everywhere in Illinois. Yeah. Anyway, so to conclude this journey with our stepmother, we stand up and thank her. 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 That's how the song ends. And then we give one last woohoo for the Pullman. Woohoo! Which was hilarious, by the way. Yeah, I, I thought you'd think so. <laughs> Despite being the album's least played track on Spotify by a long shot and only lasting six seconds. Not really by that big of a long shot, only by 3,000 listens. I could fix that. <laughs> He's just going to listen to this guy woohoo for 3,000 times. I kind of want to, because then I would know I'm the reason that it's not the least played song on the. That's true. That's true. Be like, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Do you think I'd be like the number one listener to to that song? Uh, yeah, all time. If on Spotify you listen to it for thirty percent of its total plays. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i love that <sighs> well we've got a 2023 goal but the next proper song on the album and one of its more 
obvious tentpole kind of tracks is most commonly known as simply Chicago, but also can be called Go Chicago, Go, Yeah. I was going to ask about that. That's just the way it is. Chicago is a song that for Sufjan kind of transcended the album a little bit. It's pretty popular in its own right outside of the concept of Illinois. And it's even the theme for a Netflix series called The Politician. Oh. Yeah, so if you've seen that, you've heard the song Chicago. I enjoyed this song. You did? Quite a lot. Good. Uh, me too. I was hoping. It's a good like anthem song, you know, with the chorus. Yes, I love the way that it sounds with that just kind of cascading set of arpeggios over and over and over and over. Yeah. It's good. I'm glad you liked it because if you didn't like this song, you were not going to like anything on this album. That's not true. Uh, you don't have to like this to enjoy one last woohoo for the Pullman. Well, that's okay. That's iconic. That transcends this album. That transcends genre. Everyone would love one last woohoo for the Pullman. <laughs> and of course, you know, I'm a sucker for a trumpet solo. Yes. And Chicago is a very brassy song. Yeah. It's a very personal song, too. Steven says, I've had quite a few exceptional and traumatic experiences in Illinois. A few times when visiting Chicago at a particularly difficult time in my life or driving cross country and being pulled over by the cops just outside Peoria. So he says the speaker in the song is a version of himself, a little more fictional. And as a native Michigander, Chicago was kind of a place for him to go and escape when he was a kid. He went there to get away from everyday life, and he actually even saw his first concert in the city. Huh. Yeah. Lyrically, Chicago is one of my favorite tracks on this whole album. Musically, Chicago is one of my favorite tracks on this whole album. (laughs) (laughs) This is a complete package. In the very first verse, like the very first line of the song, I fell in love again, all things go. I love it. That all things go recurring line is just incredible. I mean, obviously it's a play on Chicago, but also it's this reference to the industry and the importance of the city, this place that never sleeps and never stops. All things go and go and go and go. And I mean, just like that aspect of the city itself, this song keeps hitting us with that line over and over and over. It's so great. And I also love the idea, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in my mind. Like maybe it's not a mistake, but I am going to consider it one and treat it like one regardless. I don't know. It's so cool. Just, mm, I like it. I can tell. And he did that thing that you like where he changed the all things go motif. And at some point it shifts into all things grow. People change, places change, everything progresses. And as things go, things grow. I just love it. It was really good. Yeah, I can rave about Chicago for a long time. But I won't. I'll spare you and start raving about Casimir Pulaski Day. I expected to like this song more than I did. Really? Uh, Why is that? Well, first off, Spotify was the second most played song on Spotify. Mm. Uh, So I was like, oh, it must be another popular one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Then it started and it was a softer song. I was like, okay, we don't have too many of those on the album. No. We've had a couple we talked about. You know, going back up to John Wayne Gacy Jr. Mm-hmm. But this one just didn't do it for me the same way that the others did. Interesting. I don't know. I think it's more stripped back instrumentally. And he's got that softer sound to his voice that he just naturally has. Yeah. But there's still like the plunky guitar part or whatever. that I don't know, There's just something that was off about it to me. It left it kind of middle of the road for me. Interesting. He does whisper it a lot. It's an emotional song. It's a heavy song. And it maybe is the saddest song on the album, I, I think. You could... Yeah venture to call it that i mean if you think it's sadder than talking about how somebody murdered a bunch of boys then sure well i sure yeah (laughs) that one's like tragic and sad this one is like 
empathetic sad. This is like, mm. ooh. It's the slow burn of like gradual loss and grief. And ugh, it's just a lot. It's called Casimir Pulaski Day simply because that's when the critical moments of the song take place. The day itself pays tribute to its namesake, a Polish soldier that fought in the Revolutionary War. But this song actually focuses on the death of a friend who gets diagnosed at a apparently a shocking age with bone cancer. And the speaker has to come to terms with that over time as they slowly lose her that's tough sure is yeah he starts to waver in his faith and question why all this is happening his frustration increases over time and he talks about all the ways that it plays out and how he feels more and more helpless to do anything and intercede and you know just that's a lot to grapple with in a song or without a song he talks about how her dad must have felt all the complications that came up for her both medically and personally and he reminisces on some of the good times he talks about just waiting for things to change fear uncertainty all of it and it comes in the package of this really simple chord structure easy to listen to melody i mean i feel like you feel every sentiment hit because he structures it the way he does instrumentally and i like it ah. It didn't hit me the same. I guess not. But this one will hit you. It's the album's next instrumental. To the workers of the Rock River Valley region, I have an idea concerning your predicament, and it involves tube socks, a paper airplane, and 22 able-bodied men. What'd you think about that? It was the next top three title. Wow, we've had three of your top three titles already. Yeah. But it's a good one. There's a honorable mention in there. Gotcha. But yeah, no, it's a it's a simple little instrumental. This is how you do a slow ballady song. <laughs> yeah. The minor key and stuff. I like it. Big fan. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. The song title is a rambling reference to Rockford, Illinois and their labor history. Apparently, it's got a, a pretty rocky road behind it. A history of crime, political machines, and pretty abysmal working conditions. Which is why this is, you know, structured like it's to the workers. It's it's an alright instrumental. I like it. And then, I mean, we're moving into the back half of the album here. Yeah, we're finally, you know, you know, we're over halfway, audience. We finally, yeah. <laughs> finally made it to the halfway point. And the next track up is the Predatory Wasp of the Palisades is out to get us. What do you think? Did it not sound waspy enough to you the whole way through? No, it did. It just didn't transition out of the other. Because, like, if I had to write a theme song for wasps, it would sound probably similar to this. It's very annoying, and <laughs> it's there. If I had to write a theme song for wasps, uh, yeah, it's there. You know the her 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 her. That's very waspy. Yeah, you're right. But I, you know, wasps buzz like bees, so I would have thought the little buzzing of the drones would have connected better to the wasp. You're right. Maybe it should. And then like buzzed its way up into a ha 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 ha. Yeah, I think this is one of my favorite bits of instrumentals on the album. Yeah, just the way that he layers all these sounds and these melodies. It's so amazingly compelling and fun to listen to this song really scratches the itch this felt the most disconnected like some of these have had multiple parts to them but those parts kind of flowed together the bump 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 bits and then the very slow ballady middle section was felt disconnected in a way yeah no you're right musically i should say um and it's abrupt abrupt like a sting of a wasp i feel like the transition out of it's a little better because it kind of slows down and holds out this note and then hits you with the bam back into the bump 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 so like that worked but the initial transition into the slow stuff felt disconnected gotcha compared to everywhere else where he had transitioned from one to another it felt less put together that makes sense yeah a, a wasp would have put it together maybe that's why i felt like this 
<laughs> yeah. This song chronicles Stephen's experience at a church camp where he was wrestling with his sexuality. He had an experience that he described as an awakening. And yes, there actually was a giant wasp involved. Oh. Yeah. So do with that information what you will. It was like, I might be attracted to wasps. <laughs> I don't think it went quite like that. But it's an apt metaphor, I think. Which is very, it plays very interesting in the context of the real life situation. Up next, we're on track 18. Moving right along. Yeah. In this temple, as in the hearts of men for whom he saved the earth. It's a little brief moment of reverence towards the end of the album. Another, again, really marvelous shout out to Abe Lincoln. The title is taken and twisted from an inscription that's in the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. That is the titular temple. Huh. Yes. And I think it's nice that he includes this nice little tribute to Lincoln in one of the most subtle ways, given that he's one of the most dominant historical figures mentioned on this album. It's a nice little song. 36 seconds. Okay. And it transitions beautifully into the Sears Tower. It sure does. And that's Sears Tower, like one who sees their tower. Yeah. Not Sears Tower, S-E-A-R-S Tower, because that's the pun. (laughs) And the album closes with 22 tracks out of Egypt into the great laugh of mankind, and I shake the dirt from my sandals as I run. I think in the context of the album, this is one of my favorite instrumentals. I think it's just this really captivating conclusion to the long, arduous, emotional journey that we've just been on. 22 tracks, a whopping hour and 14 minutes. This song just feels like, okay, huh, feels like the end of the journey. It does. It's good. Yeah. The title is a slew of different biblical references talking about Israelites being let out of slavery and into the promised land. And so Illinois, I think, by comparison, by the time we're done, it kind of represents a promised land in its own right. This place with so much history and potential, this kind of bastion of progress and hope and all these things. I like it. And I also, while I was researching, I saw some great analyses about how the second track, the very first instrumental, is about forcing Native people to leave the land in a war. And then this one, the closing track and last instrumental, is also about leaving and moving on. It's kind of another moment where the album comes full circle. But with that, it's time for this episode to come full circle. And we should probably jump into Final Spin. It's amazing how similarly you've done that each of the times you've done it for as little as you do it. I don't know. Is it similar? I just kind of go. Yeah. You know, I just riff on it. You just riff on it. Yeah. Just just let it fly. Sure. Well, for me, I don't think anyone should be surprised at some of the scores I give for this album. It's a wild ride, but oh, I love it so much. It's one of my go-to albums when I just need to like unplug. This is the one. This one just can occupy every corner of my brain. And that is a great feeling. For music, what a composer. I mean, symphonic is a word that you said a couple different times. And I got to agree. A lot of these songs, the the bigger tracks are very well constructed. Chord structure wise, musical wise, they're a little references to things and allusions and bits that play off other musical bits it's great i think the music in this album is pretty untouchable i'm giving it a 97 lyrically i think the album strikes a good balance i mean obviously it's a full history lesson Uh, an entire social studies class on the state of illinois just in one hour and 14 minutes so dense it's very sneaky it's yeah he sneaks it right in i think the album has a lot of moments to settle down and be serious right 
like John Wayne Gacy Jr., like Casimir Pulaski Day, like Chicago, and, and all these places where the album really like digs in and gets very serious and cool. And then it has moments where it lets itself cut loose a little more. Song titles especially, which I know aren't part of the lyrics, but that's one of the main ways that the album conveys its attitude and Stephen's sense of humor to you is through these album titles. But some songs like Decatur or Round of Applause for Your Stepmother, you know, that's a lighter-hearted song, and I really like it. Lyrics, I'm giving a 90. Instruments of production, this man can play instruments. That's it. That's the note. 95. Multi-instrumental. Awesome. There's so much variety in sound and style here. I said that's it, that's the note, and I've got a lot more notes. Anyway, just the, the, the variety itself is enough to put this album kind of a head and shoulders above a lot of others that we've talked about. And the overall vibe, rock solid. I just love it. 95. That makes its overall score a 95.3 and lands it at a stellar number 16 on the rankings list. Number 16? Yeah. It's a little low for what I was expecting for being your go-to unplug album. Uh, yeah. I was expecting top 10. Well, that wouldn't disappoint me. Honestly, I'd be pretty okay with that, but it's that's just not how the numbers fell. Make them fall differently. Oh, you think this should be a top 10? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you're right. I hated it. Oh, well, that's sad. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what you led me to believe at all. Good. Then I led you astray. <laughs> For me, my top three. Oh, yeah, we got top three in titles, but we didn't get top three in top three. Yeah, I have a question for you before I give them. What's that? Do you think I need all of my picks this week? This week? Oh, oh you're asking me if I gave you good advice. Yeah. Yes, I think you're going to end up exceeding your regular top three. I think I gave you a good tip last week. In that case... I have a follow-up question. Yeah? Do you think I need all my picks next week? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's take a look here. Oh, you're asking me tough questions. Next week's a little harder to judge. Mm -hmm. No. No? You will be fine next week. Well, in that case, I have one last follow-up question. Do you think I'll need my full picks the following week? (laughs) No. That one I'm a little more sure about. What about the week after that? The week after that. Oh, okay. We're going in a direction here. Let's just put it this way. Will I need a pick the next 22 weeks? (laughs) Uh, yeah at some point you might i might want my full picks yeah but that's good to know yeah i quite enjoyed this album a lot but i think i am just gonna take my normal amount of picks you're just doing that to spite me (laughs) no no because my question last week is if i need them all so the fact that i'm taking a full pick means you were right okay but i'm not gonna cut myself any for future picks Simply because I feel like if I went over my limit, I need to pick all of them. And that's going to put me too far out in the future of not having my full pick. 22 weeks. Yeah, that's a long time. I could pick 10 of these songs, at least. <laughs> yeah, well, that would put you six weeks. <laughs> yeah. That'd be tough. Yeah, so I'm just going to pick the normal amount. Okay, normal amount's fine. That's solid. And just know that there are plenty of other ones that are close. Yeah, we know where your brain's at. And so, in album order, The Black Hawk War, or How to Demolish an Entire Civilization and Still Feel Good About Yourself in the Morning. Oh, that one was or, the we apologize too. for the inconvenience, but you're going to have to leave now. Or, I have fought the big knives and will continue to fight them until they are off our land. Solid. That one gets a double top three. Yeah, that was a, that one was a recurring. That's a double top three. Oh my gosh. <laughs> What have we done? <laughs> the next one, Chicago. Sure. My honorable mention to the workers of the Rock River Valley region. I have an idea concerning your predicament, and it involves tube socks, a paper airplane, and 22 able-bodied men. Really? What? Why? What do you mean, why? I mean, why? It's a good one. <laughs> There's so many other good ones. I just really like the slow, um, the, the bomb, 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 and the cascading. Yeah, true. And then it's got the really good horn part. I just, it's, It was a good honorable mention. 
But anyway, my final top three. Oh, yeah. We're still here. The predatory wasp of the Palisades is out to get us. Nice. And so, if you're keeping track, that is two of the four were double top threes. I was keeping track of that. Yes, that's pretty good. This album's gonna get from me... I think it's pretty obvious as well. A nine. Yes, it was. Finally an obvious nine. Last week threw me off a little bit, but but we're back. <laughs> and I think it's gonna go... I'm interested to see how you feel about this placement. Okay. It's going right above Vaxxus 2, which is another one oh. of the ones you were just super excited to bring me. So I'm interested to know if... Because was where was Vaxxus 2 for you? Was it a top tenner? No, it is not. So you probably agree with that. Then. I do agree with that, actually. Uh, they're very different albums for very different reasons, but that's acceptable. Actually, for me, this album is sandwiched right in between Thriller and Songs in the Key of Life. Oh, well, it's between that for me, too, just with Buble and uh, Coheed in there. Yeah, and we have them <laughs> flipped. Oh. Yeah. You have Michael Jackson as the bottom slice of bread. I do, yeah. And as for a unit, this one's getting nine double top threes out of ten for me. I knew it. Solid. Okay, good good picks. You know what? I think we should, honestly... Now we gotta talk about the playlist. <laughs> well, we do, we do. But also, I think we should bestow Sufjan with a special Spin It Award for being the inaugural double top three. I think so. I think he gets the double top three Spin It Award. Good for him. Bravo. Congratulations. And he did it twice. So Did it twice. So he's the double double top three. Which is like... Hang on, I need some squirrels over here to do the math. It's like 12 threes, which is 36. <laughs> Can we give him the Spin It 36 award so that it makes no sense? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. He gets the Spin It 36 award, and then a year from now, we'll be going, what on earth did that mean? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, Sufjan Stevens gets the Spin It 36 award for his double-double top threes. (laughs) We got to fix something for the playlist. Which you can find on Spotify and on YouTube. Spin It favorite songs. And I have a proposal for you. Sounds like you're about to wheel and deal. I'm thinking, based on your thoughts about what you said on some of these songs, and just because it's fitting for an album called Illinois, we pick Come On, Feel the Illinois and Chicago. I gotta be honest, before we even started recording this episode, I said I want these two to be the top two. Like, as much as I love some of the other ones, I think those are the two that fit the playlist best and sum up the album in a really good way. They do. They, they sum up the album great. They have some really enticing, exciting musical moments. They're a lot of fun. And even though they're both over six minutes, I mean, they certainly don't feel that way in the moment. Yeah. All right, I'm down for it. I can get behind it. There we go. Adding them to the list. And I think that brings us to the close of another episode. Of another B-side, too. B-side will get to hear us do all that bad math. We'll cut it out of the normal one. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Another episode of Spin It has come to an end. And what an episode it's been. This was, uh, yet again, another bone sticker of an episode for us. Marvelously done. Like I said, you're going to want some of your picks next week, too. I'm excited. Oh, I'm so excited. But you got to tune in to find out. So we hope you've enjoyed hanging out and listening into this if you want to go check out our socials and see more spin it content follow us on twitter at spin it pod on instagram at spin it pod official and all over the web and at our website www.spinitpod.com yeah do that keep an eye and an ear out for new music and new stuff and we will talk to you next week like we always do like we always do until then until then keep keep spinning. spinning or in this case keep spinning out of egypt and into the great lap of mankind and I shake the dirt from my sandals as I run. 
I'm mad about this full neon outfit. It's a neon outfit. The only part of that lie was full. We need to talk to the mixtaper. No, it's not. Oh, you're taking his side? It, this is so like you. I am taking his side. His fact details and everything was all about it being like an entire suit made out of neon lights, which that clearly isn't. Oh, speaking of which, do you think he made it all the way back from Illinois? Uh, oh, crap. Uh, I have a bunch of missed calls from him. And a text that says he ran out of gas. I gotta go get him. Oh, shoot. The mixtaper, but you knew that because you have caller ID. So, funny story, uh, I took the blimp to Illinois for be on location for this episode, and, uh, on the way back, you know, gas prices were high, so I thought I'd try to squeak out and make it back without having to fill her up. I'm in the middle of a cow field right now, and could use a lift, bring a tarp to cover the blimp with, because we don't want anybody else to find it. Big tarp. It's a big blimp. Uh, anyway. Yeah.